you know things are getting ugly when your National Alumni Association calls you out. But that's exactly what's happening at Texas Southern over the way that they're handling the search for their head football coach. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make it locked on HBCU, your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off doesn't mean the journey's over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and save $20 off your first purchase. Now we wrap up today's episode with a look at the SWAC women's basketball landscape, but specifically University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, who is a team that I'm going to be having my eyes on. Prior to that, we get into another basketball conversation, but we look at how HBCUs have fared against big schools in basketball, men's and women's, over the last two years, and how the data kind of stacks up against each other. I'm very excited for that one because it was kind of like a research paper or something like that for me. So, Prior to that, as we kick off the show, though, what I told you to do, follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. And I dropped the South Exclusive on Twitter, on X, on social media, whatever you want to call it. And it was the open letter that the Texas Southern National Alumni Association uh, kind of pinned or wrote up. And they directed it to all Tigers fans in the Board of Regents. But we know really towards the Board of Regents. I loved it so I'm not going to read it verbatim on here, but if you want to see it at South Exclusives on Twitter, it'll be there. Go to the media section for if you want to see. I might have retweeted X, Y, and Z, but if you go to the media, the only thing that'll be after that will be the thumbnail of today's episode. So it'll be the second thing that you're able to see. I think we all know this by now, but in case we don't, Texas Southern is without a head football coach. If you're following HBCU athletics, I think that's something that's probably very difficult to miss. That was the biggest story of the offseason until Willie Simmons decided to get offered a running back's job at Duke. He decided to take that job. So now he got pushed down to number two. But this was a big deal or the biggest deal. It's still a big deal, but it was the biggest deal for quite a long time until Willie had to steal our thunder. But that being said, in a way, they kind of connect because of the Fred McNair connection. We'll leave it alone because I don't think he's going to get that job. I don't think he's going to get that job. And that's actually something that we'll look at on tomorrow's episode. But for those who know, it's been a very rough process because it has been clear that the Tigers have had their guy for about a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks at this point. Two, three weeks at least, 
it's been clear that Fred McNair was the guy, but he was being held on the phone on hold. And the reason he was because the Board of Regents just would not approve the contract. Those who aren't connected to Texas Southern seem to be pretty confused. It seemed to be the consensus that people were confused why this was taking so long. Those who are connected to Texas Southern, they were pretty upset. Those are pretty frustrated fans, players, right? Um, faculty members, like, like all of this. It was a very frustrating time, or it is a very frustrating time. And when your alumni base calls you out, that is a sign of how things are going. They're not going well. Out there in Houston, Texas, things look dysfunctional. They seem like you don't really know what you're doing. And it's a question of not just aesthetics, not just perception, which we'll get to in a little bit, but actual action. What are you going to do? And that was my favorite part of this letter. They asked for a target date for the hire. They, they said, look, we're, dis, we're dissatisfied. You don't have a coach yet. Can we get a target date on when you would like to set a coach? And the reason I love that so much is because it does almost feel as if they're content. And I've said this before, and I don't know if it is a conspiracy theory or not. I genuinely believe those who are dragging their feet are the ones who do not want Fred McNair. And they're hoping that if they drag their feet long enough, Fred will bow out and then they will have no option but to pick their choice, which is Andre Johnson. I don't think that's a conspiracy. I haven't heard it said anywhere else. But that's genuinely what I believe is going on here. And once your alumni base, and I don't mean a couple of fans here and there because I'm a part of the alumni base, and I've called out Texas Southern on my Twitter. I've called them out on this show. So I've done it. But when you have the Texas Southern National Alumni Association coming out and pinning an open letter to the Board of Regents, asking them essentially, with you know, very diplomatically, but what the heck are you doing? That's really what the question is. When do you want to have a head coach? Are you even worried about it? Why is this not a priority? You have the, the hire put in front of you. What's the holdup? And I think that this letter really exposes maybe the true source of many of our, I'm going to use our here, many of our frustrations. And it's the lack of transparency, lack of understanding. Maybe, maybe the, the Board of Regents doesn't owe us anything maybe they don't owe us explanation though one could argue that after three meetings and not being able to decide on who your coach is going to be we should probably speak on something because you know this is confusing many people either i'm pretty sure you need a, a unanimous vote but if you don't why am i just assuming that there's no real clear understanding and i think that's what's making people frustrated because why don't we have Fred McNair as our coach? That's a legitimate question. And the answer could be because a couple of people want Andre Johnson. And then my next question would be to you, if you have a board of regents, a committee of people, and a couple want somebody, but the majority don't, why are we going three meetings, three weeks, continuous public displays without having a coach? Why are we waiting for two or three people to join the rest of the class? I understand no child left behind, but doggone it, this ain't school. Majority should rule. It's a simple, it's a, it's a simple solution, yet we're here. And that's one thing that the letter speaks on. 
the perception. And this is my favorite line. I got to make sure that I read this one almost verbatim because I, I thought this was really good. And it's based on how the team, how the school looks. So Corey Williams said, every decision moves TSU forward or continues to perpetuate the negative stereotypes that are constantly placed on TSU. Corey, you spit. Corey Williams, you are spitting because that's true. I'm, I'm over here. I'm not finna sugarcoat it. The National Alumni Association for your school calling you out is such a major deal because a lot of times those who are closest to you are the ones who are going to make the excuses for you, at least publicly. Even if they criticize you privately, they want to make sure that you look good. They want to make sure that the school is represented in the right light. And in that, they'll rationalize anything that you do. Once you've eaten up that leash and they're no longer rationalizing your decisions, I think it should be clear to those in charge, we have a problem. But here's the thing. I think we already knew that. Or excuse me, they already knew that. They just don't care. They just don't care. They're not trying to care about public face. But here's the thing. The letter, once again, this letter is so accurate. Go to South Exclusive starts with an S, ends with an S, and make sure that you read this. Because it went beyond just public perception and stereotypes, because one could argue, why do you care what outsiders think? This is why. Because in college, when we're talking about recruiting students and student athletes, but specifically student athletes in this capacity, perception is important. Because nobody wants to come to a school where things are dysfunctional. You won't be able to get the the optimal, you won't be able to get the most out of, you are in Houston, Texas, you won't be able to get the most out of your strong recruiting soil because you look like you don't know what you're doing. It's not just about people on Twitter saying you don't know what you're doing. It's not just about the mouth of the South saying you're not, you don't know what you're doing. I already went to the school. You already recruited me. You brought me in 20, what? Probably the 2014 preview day. That's when you hooked me. But these student athletes are looking at this coaching search the student athletes that are on the team are looking at this coaching search. Their question is, should I even stay here with all of the uncertainty, with all of the dysfunction, all of the disarray? Should I stay here? And if I was a parent to any of those kids, it would be a tough conversation to have if they wanted to leave because of this for me to tell them that they should. It would be. And I can tell you for a fact that players are frustrated. Now, as we move forward, let's get off of this. Let's move into basketball. Because it's basketball season, we want to have more basketball topics, but we're getting out of the out-of-conference season and heading into SWAC and MEAC play. I wanted to do a little bit of a study to see were HBCUs more successful against big schools in basketball this year than they were last year because it kind of felt like they were, but the numbers, do the numbers actually back that up? We'll see as we continue. With locked on HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time, and Game Time is the place for all of your last minute tickets. In about a week and a half, I will be in American Airlines Center. I'll be there watching the Dallas Mavericks versus my New Orleans Pelicans. Me and my father have a little bit of a wager thinking that, but this ain't even about that right now. We'll get into that afterwards when we look at FanDuel. When I'm looking at Game Time, they're perfect for hey, this event is. Next week, this event is tomorrow. Let me get the seat that I'm going to want. And if I can find another seat in the same section, the same row for a lesser price, they'll pay you back 110% on, excuse me, 110% on the difference. But you're not going to find 
I love game time because you can look at the sporting events, the comedy events. You can look at the concerts, the, the shows, everything. All in your area right now, you can get an estimate on how much it's going to cost you. So go to game time, download the game time app, excuse me, and then go ahead and create an account and get $20 off your first purchase. Download the game time app, create an account and get $20 off your first purchase. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, see what time it is. Doesn't matter. 24-7, you got the Locked on Sports Today podcast stream, the only and the first 24-7 sports network on YouTube. Go to Locked on Sports Today and subscribe. Doesn't matter what the watch says, something will be on right now. Now, as we push forward, we leave TSU in the past. We're now going to look at basketball. And yes, they are a part of this conversation, as all HBCUs are a part of this conversation. But I wanted to know, has this been a better year for HBCUs against big schools? Now, the reason I wanted to look at this is because it felt like it was. And I I don't know if it was social media that was influencing me, but it just felt as if, man, I'm hearing more HBCU victories against big schools this year. Now, how did I qualify big schools? I said, if you are an FBS school in football or would be an FBS school in football, because I think some of these don't have have football programs, you're a big school. So that would have been group of five, power five. FCS is a is a peer of yours. And I understand that, you know, some are mid-major. It, 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 it can get sticky, right? But that's how I defined it. If that school's program is a group of five or power five school, on the FBS level in football, that's a big school for this research project, right? And as usual, I'm open to being wrong. But instead of just being open to being wrong, I wanted to seek it out. Because numbers are numbers. This, this is a very cut and dry thing. Have HBCUs been more successful against big schools this year? Yes or no. So I went in and I broke it down into four categories. I excluded North Carolina A&T, Hampton, and Tennessee State. Not because they aren't in these conferences, well, I guess technically because they're not in these conferences, but also I just wanted to look kind of also SWAC versus MEAC in this and just have a, a comparative style there with a large sample size but still able to divide it. That just didn't work if I used two CAA teams and one OVC team. I, I just didn't think it was good for the study. So I kept it SWAC and MEAC so I could divide SWAC men's basketball, SWAC women's basketball, uh, MEAC men's basketball, MEAC women's basketball. And then I could see where I was coming from here. So I was wrong. I said I was open to being wrong, and I very well was. When you look at the numbers, it's almost confusing how I could feel that way because there is a significant drop-off in between last year's success and this year's success. But I did understand, after crunching the numbers, so to speak, I did understand why I felt this way. And that's because the SWAC women's basketball numbers doubled. They jumped from three to six and that was the only group that actually rose in success but the reason i say oh that makes sense is because when i think about hbcu success this year i'm thinking about uapb over smu over arkansas i'm thinking about southern over oklahoma whether that be because of the whole swag tweet fiasco that people are talking about i wasn't quite clear on it and whatnot but 
And also, I covered UAPB's victory. When they knocked off Arkansas, it was their first ever, not first of the season, but their first ever win over a Power 5 school. So I'm sitting here, and these are big deals. These are being blown up. I've asked this question to a couple of people. What's louder, 10 people with a, with a megaphone each or 50 people in the crowd using their own vocal cords? And sometimes when these events get amplified, they just make more noise. They end up being more memorable. And I think that's what happened here because, like I said, I'm covering UAPB victories. I'm covering their win over SMU and their win over Arkansas. This is a historic win, right? And then you have the whole social media aspect of, of Southern versus Oklahoma. I think that those things began to play in my mind. So when you look at the SWAC in general, they dropped down to. So you're looking at the SWAC men's, they went crazy a year ago. A year ago, they had eight. Let me make sure I get these numbers and I get them correct. Okay, so in 2022, the SWAC had eight men's basketball victories over Power 5 or Group of 5 FBS schools, right? And especially Grambling was going crazy. Grambling had a lot of wins. They had three by themselves. This year, the SWAC as a conference has three men's basketball. Meanwhile, they doubled that on the women's side, so they went from three to six. So in total, they went from 11 to nine. A slight drop-off, but it's because the women's, raised, the women's basketball teams raised that total. Then you're looking at the MEAC. The MEAC on the men's side, they went from three to one. And the one is really one that I'm not even that sure about because Norfolk knocked off Florida Gulf Coast. I don't know if I'm still living in the past. But Florida Gulf Coast feels like one of those mid-majors that holds a lot of weight. So I was willing to count them here. And maybe that's cheating. Maybe that's cheating on my, on my study. But I did include them. I wanted to count why that was the case. Um, also, Southern knocked off UNLV. They had two of the SWAC's three Power Fives uh, victories. So they knocked off UNLV. And they also knocked off Mississippi State. I wanted to knock those or count those two in. So you're looking at the SWAC women, they rose. The SWAC men, they dropped. The MEAC men's, they dropped. The SWAC, MEAC women's, excuse me, they stayed the same at Florida. This, this wasn't a better year. <laughs> I know why I felt that way, because these singular events ended up seeming more monumental to me. But when you look at the real numbers, HBCUs have not been more successful against Power 5 schools. Now, once again, you have a team like, let me see, I wrote them down. Because it doesn't, it doesn't discount what you've done. Who is this? I have to make sure because I forgot. Prairie View, right? There we go. Prairie View has had a pretty good out-of-conference year this year. They just haven't beaten any Power 5 or Group 5 or FBS, however you want to count it, bigger schools. They have not knocked off bigger schools. So for this, they would be zero. But when you're looking at what they've done, it doesn't discount it. This is a, a study simply to see. When facing Power 5, Group of 5 schools, how have HBCUs failed? This is not a way to say you haven't knocked off some really talented majors. They just wouldn't count here. So I want to be very clear on what this study was meant to do. This does not discount anybody out. There's a lot of people I'm not going to name because they didn't knock them off, right? Like Bethune-Cookman is 9-4 and four in women's basketball this year. 9-4. and four. They don't have a single victory. Let me make sure I'm not wrong. They don't have a single victory over a power five score. They have one. They have one. Like th this is just things I'm looking at. So overall, study accomplished. I was able to see 
one thing that I thought was the truth, but it ended up not being. So take that what you have it. Um, as we move forward, though, I want to look at the women's basketball on the SWAC side. Yes, they have increased in having more power five victories, but a large percentage of that has to do with UAPB. And I want to look at those lions as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, one thing that I was kind of leaning towards in the game time is my father and I have a wage that Luca isn't going to hit 35 in that game. I could go to FanDuel and see, hey, over under, what is he? What is Luca's projected total? And I'm going to pick the over, I'm going to pick the under. It's just that simple. Maybe I'm going to pick the, the Dallas Mavericks over under. And this game is on MLK Day, but they also play the Saturday before, I believe. So I can go here on the day that I'm at the game. I can make some money off of FanDuel. And if I win my first $5 money line bet, I'll get $150 back in bonus bets if I'm new to FanDuel. I love it. You'll love it. All you have to do is go try it. Now, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And then you actually know. Win your first $5 money line bet and get $150 back in bonus bets. You can put money down on football, basketball. College has bowl games every single day. The playoffs are nearing. The NBA season is really just kicking into gear. There's so many reasons to go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day, every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. Swack women's basketball is pretty interesting this year going into the conference play. And the team I'm interested in the most is UAPB. The reason I'm very interested in UAPB is because of a young lady named Zay Green, who is not only one of the best players on that team, She's one of the best players in the nation, or excuse me, specifically in the SWAC, right? I'm not going to see her act like I've just looked at all of uh, collegiate women's basketball. I'm not going to jump out there and make that statement. I ain't qualified enough for that. But in the SWAC, this is a player who leads the conference in points, leads the conference in assists, and is third in rebounds. So I'm looking at her as the star that we thought that she was going to be. Coming into last year prior to her injury, she's returned from injury and she showed everybody why she was a SWAT player of the year, preseason SWAT uh, player of the year. She's been really good, but she's not doing it by herself. And I know a lot of people, including myself, I mean, who, who didn't think this was going to be the case, thought it was going to be Zay Green and Star Jacobs. But Star Jacobs isn't going to play this year. And actually, Coach Thornton put that information out just a couple of hours ago when I'm recording this. So she put this out Wednesday afternoon, maybe early morning-ish. That star just isn't going to play this year because they want her to have a full season. We don't know if Zay Green is going to come back next year, but hopefully, you know, but we're not looking that far ahead anyway. But it's not like Star Jacobs is gone and now UAPB just doesn't have any talent next to her. You have Zay Green, but you also got Kariah Beck, who is one of the best three-point shooters in this, in this conference. And UAPB actually has a couple of those. Right, let's let's first identify Beck before we get into the group. But Beck just won SWAT Player of the Year, Player of the Week, excuse me. 
So with that, she had a 32-point game, eight threes in the game. Then you also look at this is a continuation of what she's been able to do. Of course, it amplified her numbers. But you have two other Lions in the top 10 in most three-pointers per game. This is a team as a whole that takes a lot of three-point shots, but they also make a lot. Nobody takes more. Nobody makes more. And only one team makes them at a better percentage. In other words, the three-point is a big part of the UAPB women's basketball game, and they're also very efficient at it. Some people just be chunking up shots. I think about, I think it was Coppin State two years ago, maybe three years ago. They were just chunking up shots. They shot so many threes, but they didn't make a lot of them. They just shot a bunch of threes. And, you know, they live by the three, die by the three. And a lot of times they live with it. A lot of times they died by it. But when you look at UAPB, a lot of times they can live by that when you look at how well they've been shooting. And I'm looking at them specifically because I want to know who's going to knock off Jackson State. Now, I understand. Jackson State didn't even win the conference last year, technically. In the, in the, in the, the tournament, they lost in the finale by one point to so. Jackson State, to me, was the best team in that conference last year. They won the regular season title. No, that is not more important than the tournament title. But they also had a five-game lead on the next closest team. They were the best team. I still consider them that. I don't consider them champions, no, but I do consider them the best team. And I'm looking for somebody who would truly dethrone them. Somebody who can either eclipse them in the regular season or maybe have it close during the regular season and eclipse them in the tournament. If Southern was, let's see, because Jackson State was 17-1. and one. If Southern was 15-3 and three, and then they ended up winning the, the conference title, I would say they were the best team. But Southern was 12-6. and six. It was just a far gap. I'm looking for somebody to close that regular season gap and equate that into tournament success. So whether that be a Bethune-Cookman that's having a pretty solid year, that's a Grambling having a pretty solid out-of-conference year, any of that, that's what I'm looking for. But specifically, I'm looking at UAPB because the way that Zay Green is playing, she will be the SWAC player of the year. And when you are the SWAC player of the year, you have a decent shot of being a pretty good squad, especially when you have help. You have Beck, you have Davenport on the inside with the blocks. Like, this is a talented team. This is a talented team. And I want to see if they can go toe to toe with Jackson State. And Jackson State, who knows, right? Like, I, everything changes when it comes to the swag play. But until they fail in conference, I'm going to give Jackson State the benefit of the doubt. And so they tell me I should doubt giving them the benefit. Now, one last thing I want to note that's not particularly about this or even who's going to win the conference is FAMU is interesting to me because they traded in last year's situation for this year's situation. They both pretty, look pretty similar. They just have a different coach and a different lead player. Last year, it was Dylan Horton, and she was one of the best scorers in the swag. They weren't that good. This year, FAMU is second to last in the conference, out of conference games only. We'll see what happens once they get into swag play. That's a whole different conversation. But right now, they're at the second worst team in the conference. and they have the second lead score. And I want to make sure I get her name right because I thought her name was tough. Ariana, Ariana Grizzle. Ooh, that's the name right there. Ariana Grizzle. But she's the second leading scorer, dropping 17 a game. And their offense isn't going that well. I just hope that one levels out. And I kind of hope that his fam you being good, of course, because I don't want to see her score less points. But do you think, five? Do you think? So. 
that's a nice note. But overall, I'm looking at UAPB. This is the team that has knocked off Arkansas. They've knocked off SMU. I know they don't have the best record in the conference, out of conference, but they probably have the best player in the conference. And that's worth more than a better out of conference schedule. Now, as you move forward on tomorrow's episode, fam, you knows who they want to be the coach, if you ask the players. Let's look at that and then, you know, maybe some other options, maybe if they should consider that fully. And just look at the situation of the players banding together to say, hey, we want fill in the blank. And I'll fill that blank in on tomorrow's episode. In the meantime, in between time, until the next time we hear each other family, take care. Stay blessed. Hey.